All right, good morning, everyone. Well, good morning. Uh, so if you are Norm, you got a special call out because I made a chart uh, for you. Actually, it's not for uh, just Norm. It's for, uh, for, for everyone. I'm not walking out on the chart. I just need to do something. That's all right. That's all right. That's right. I know you got some time to meditate on it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, this morning we're going to continue on. This is lesson 16 in chapter 9. What is the decree? So really we're hitting on part two this morning, thinking about uh, an uh, introductory matters, thinking about God's decree, his eternal purpose. And so uh, like like we have, we're going to hit the two catechism questions and then the confession and really seeing uh, the relationship of those that this is really to help us better understand what are these things that we do confess as, as a church. So as our matter of habit has been, I will say the question and we will respond together with our answer. So question 10 of the Baptist Catechism. What are the decrees of God? Answer. The decrees of God are his eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory, he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. Question 11. How does God execute his decrees? Answer, God executes his decrees in the works of creation and providence. Very good. All right. And then um, can I also have a volunteer who be willing to get uh, chapter three, paragraph one of God's decree from our confession, the second London. There we go. And then who, who's willing to get uh, paragraph two? We got them both in the notes. All right. I know I picked both of you. I'm going to go Mike on this one. And then, Des, I'll get you for something. All right. (laughs) God hath decreed in himself from all eternity by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably, all things whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so is thereby as God, neither the author of sin nor hath fellowship with any therein, nor is violence offered to the will of the creature, nor yet is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established, and which appears his wisdom in disposing all things in power and faithfulness in accomplishing his decree. All right, awesome. Paragraph two. Although God knoweth whatsoever may or can come to pass, upon all supposed conditions, yet hath he not decreed anything because he foresaw it as future or that which would come to pass upon such conditions. All right, excellent. So again, and that's really kind of the focus that we're going to be looking at over, over the next two months. And uh, in particular, paragraphs, uh, I think there was a total of seven or eight paragraphs in, uh, in, in uh, chapter three. And right now, what we're going to be focusing on is really uh, this material in, uh, in paragraphs one and two. So when we look at uh, last week, right, so it was like an overall introduction. And we spent some time, we looked at some Old Testament terms, New Testament terms, uh, we looked at some key texts. Do you guys remember? What was that like? The, the one key text that I said, remember this. This is like, you know, the Mona Lisa. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. There we go. All right, good. Yeah. So um, uh, I know with uh, different chapters of the book uh, in this class and in previous class, right, you almost have like uh, uh, this like key text, this like classic text, right? Almost like the movies, right? There's like, you know, the classic movie or whatever. So, uh, or playoff, I guess. Uh, so, so here, like Ephesians 1 is just, I mean, you just, you know, that, that, that's one that you just want to have like a go-to where it's like, I got questions about God's sovereignty, Ephesians 1, right? That just make that a starting point. So 
It was really good. I thought it was helpful just kind of looking over some of those, uh, some of those and, then we, and, then, and then we ended up talking uh, lastly about uh, some nuances or aspects or ways in which we distinguish God's decree. And so the first one was that God's decree is a simple and an eternal act. And so then we made some additional qualifications, again, looked at some helpful texts. And, uh, and lastly, we also noted that when we look at God's decree, there, there are uh, three... T- Three things in particular that are emphasized. And those were God's sovereignty, his freedom, and his wisdom, right? Especially seeing those uh, come, come into play. So, um, so this week, what we're going to focus on, we're going to continue that theme of distinguishing uh, or making distinctions or trying to help clarify. And it's going to be under three headings. We're going to hit uh, that the decree is a free act an immutable act, and a universal act. So we'll, we'll really kind of follow under those, those three headings. All right, perfect. Well, so let's go ahead and get into it. And I will say, so I know I, I, I kind of teased earlier that uh, I made this for Norm. And in one sense, I, I, I knew that I would get encouragement from him, you know, uh, uh, yeah, on, on, on the handouts. But really, um, the, uh, the chart, if you will, was something for, for me, right? Because it, it was getting to the point where as I was working out in my notes and I was trying to make these distinctions, thinking about God's acts, I kept getting confused, right? And then you'd read someone and you're like, well, where does that fit, right? So, um, so this is really just kind of an overflow just to help kind of keep my own thoughts, right? Consistent and clear and clean. And, uh, and so with that, yeah, look, look on your notes. So, um, uh, and, you know, the last time I made a chart, it was, uh, you know, size 8 font, so I learned my lesson, right? Um, uh, that, you know, that, that, that way to make it a little bit more visible. Um, so when, when we look at this, what are we trying to make distinctions about, right? And, and, and this is kind of pulling off of some other guys, some other theologians, right? How they've tried to help categorize this. When we think about God's acts, right? Or, or, or what will be phrased, you know, divine acts. Um, so with that, we start with two categories, right? And, uh, and, and uh, 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 Joel Beakey kind of makes this in his, uh, in his systematic theology where um, theologians have used these Latin phrases. So one is ad intra, which I think we, we talked about when we dealt with the Trinity, right? Um, so ad intra, toward the inside, and then ad extra, toward the outside. And it's really to help try to make, um, make, make a nuance between God's works. So if you will, what you see on your notes, right, is, so when we think of God's works, we think of it in, in two perspectives. One is internal, within, within God himself, right? And, uh, and then secondly, uh, God's acts uh, that, that are external, really, where God is the source, and then it's affected upon uh, uh, people and creation and, and objects, if you will, right? So, so that's kind of like the first division, and then as we work our way down, right, even when we think about God's acts, then there are um, distinctions that we make within God, right? And, and you'll see theologians try to make this nuance, right? And what we're trying to do is to help make sure we don't confuse or collapse categories, right? Where somehow the decree becomes similar to the Trinity or vice versa. So these are nuances we want to make just so it helps, it helps to kind of keep clear. So the first one on your notes, the, the one on the bottom left. So we'll talk about this. Uh, you can see on your notes there, personal necessary acts. And, and what does that mean? Well, theologians will use terms 
in which it's to distinguish the persons of the Trinity, right? So the Father is the one who begets, right? That's what distinguishes him from who? The Son and the Spirit, right? And the Spirit is distinct from the Father because the, uh, I said, what did I say, the Spirit or the Son? I said the Spirit, okay. Because the Spirit is the one who proceeds from the Father and the Son, right? And the Son is different or, or distinguished from the Father and the Spirit because he's the one who's eternally begotten of the Father, right? So uh, these are considered divine actions where, in, uh, um, right, the Father begetting, the Son being begotten, and the Spirit proceeding because all of those are toward or inside the Trinity itself, right? It, it brings out one particular characteristic of, 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 of an individual person in the Godhead. Um, right, as, as you kind of see that there on your notes. Now, how is that different if you go to the, the next box over? So within God, right, and God's actions, so those are considered necessary, and we're going to get into that, right? That's going to be a part of our first point when we, when we cover the decree as a free act. So I'm not going to hit that now. So, but it's considered personal and necessary. Now, that should be distinguished from the second box, and that is common free acts, right? So there is nothing that is compulsory, where this must happen, right? We, we, don't, we don't have to use that language. And it is common because it characterizes all three persons of the Godhead. We, we, we talk about this as God in unity, right? So it is something that the entire God has accomplishes as opposed to an individual member, right? Like, like, like the Father or, or the Son or the Spirit. And so uh, now these things... Uh, although the decree is God's purpose, so it's within himself, right, like our confession says, yet at the same time, it respects to things outside of God, right, being creation and, and things of that flavor. So we try to make these nuances because we don't want to start thinking about um, God's works internally and then start to put uh, de uh, God's decree, his eternal purpose in the same category as Trinity, right? And, and, and this, this first point when we get on free act, we're really going to try to help bring out that distinction. So, I know, you're welcome. You got a chart, right? Cut it out, put it on, you know, frame it if you want. I'll give you the original. I'll sign it, you know, for certain members. <laughs> all right, so, so any, any, any questions, right, as we just kind of get started? Okay, kind of like, all right, this is a helpful way. Let it be like a reference point, right? When we think about God's works, because really, it, um, when we think about God's works, right, we go from God, his eternal purpose, and then like, like what, what our confession does, then we hop into creation, right? Creation and providence and sovereignty and, th and things of that flavor, right? Because then, then that's like the rest of it. So, so any, any questions before we kind of hop in? Norm? What is the definition of spirate? Yes. So I know. Actually, you'll, you'll appreciate this because my original version, when I, when I did the cutout, it actually had it underlined in red, and I had that uh, like in the picture. So... Um, yeah, so to spirate, uh, it, it, it's another term for proceed, and it has the idea of like breath moving uh, like out of your lungs. Like, like when you exhale, that would be uh, like a procession, like a, a pushing, if you will. So in, in that sense, the, the, the spirit is the one who spirates or proceeds or comes forth um, uh, um, um, uh, from, from the father and son. So that, that was the, when theologians uh, in church history have used to distinguish the, the son and the spirit, those have been the verbs that they've historically used. Okay. Yeah, again, not, not, not grocery store uh, type terms, right? That does not get added to the, uh, to, the, uh, to the list, right? So, all right. 
Uh, any other questions? All right. All right. Keep your hands warm. I know, mine are, mine are hurting. <laughs> I'm white knuckling it over here. And I'm not nervous, okay? I'm very comfortable with you guys. <laughs> All right. So, so let's hop in. So then the decree is a free act. And um, so th this is where I, I think, you know, ma making that nuance uh, becomes helpful, right? So, um, uh, so what, what is the nuance that we're making here? And sometimes that can be helpful to do by, by, um, uh, con uh, by contrast, right? So a, a free act is contrasted with a necessary act, right? And, um, and so uh, when we say what is a necessary act of God, it means of necessity. And it's something that resides within God. The triune nature of God is an example of necessity, right? Um, and, and don't get me wrong, there, there, is, there is definitely mystery regarding many of the details relating to God's inter, internal activity within uh, uh, Father, Son, and Spirit, right? But the things that we do know, the things that are revealed, right, uh, the, these personal distinctions between Father, Son, and Spirit are eternal, necessary acts, right? Just like we talked about the Father begetting the Son and the Father and Son uh, um, spirating the Spirit, right? Or, or the, the Spirit proceeding from the Father and, and the Son. Those would be considered necessary because they are a part of God's essence. And I know we've, we've talked about, you know, God is not made up of pieces, right? So when I use a part, I'm not, but I'm, I'm just trying to use language that helps us understand. It is, it, it is, it is within God's essence, right? And so to think of it another way, uh, God does not exist apart from the Son being eternally begotten from the Father, right? There is no Godhead apart from this, uh, the, these eternal acts, right? Um, so we're trying to use it in, in that kind of way. So when we say that God's decree is a free act, what we're saying is there is no necessity, right? God does not need creation. And, and we're using it and, and trying to make uh, that. So God could exist, right, in complete happiness without decreeing creation and redemption and consummation, right? Instead, God's decree highlights his freedom and his sovereignty to do all that he pleases, right? It, it, like we talked about, it's, it's basically putting on, on as, a, as a theater for display. And Sam Renahan puts this uh, in, in his book that I thought was really helpful. There was no external necessity, right, which would be impossible for God. So something outside of God that made it necessary. And um, uh, nor any internal necessity for the decree. There was nothing within God that made it where he must decree, right? It is a free act. And um, so I didn't put this one on here. I actually, I, I ran out of room. Um, uh, and I, I wasn't willing to go where Des has gone with the three pages or the, uh, or the, 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 the two full pages. So I, I just wasn't ready yet, bro. <laughs> so I had to tighten up <laughs> and I wasn't willing to change font either. So, um, so, uh, but so no, but A.W. Pink in his, in his little book, the attributes of God, uh, an under God sovereignty. Uh, I thought this was helpful when he said, um, or no, no, I think it was under God's decree. God was alone when he made his decrees, and his determinations were influenced by no external cause. He was free to decree or not to decree, 
and to decree on uh, to decree one thing and not another. This liberty we must ascribe to Him who is supreme, independent, and sovereign in all His doings. Now, what I'd like to do, right, uh, just to kind of help build on this, right, and, and in one sense, what this is doing, and where we're about to go, it, it, it's building on the theme that God is sovereign, right? The, uh, the ultimate cause of all things, right? And uh, now, now we're going to make distinctions when we talk about, like, for example, sin and his permissive decree, right? And, and things of that nature. Um, Des is going to be hitting on that in the next couple of weeks. So um, it, it's not necessarily in all the same senses, right? When we talk about uh, some of these secondary causes and, and, um, and different means. Uh, but at the same time, God is always in that ultimate sense, right? The, the, the ultimate cause, Right? The one who governs and directs um, uh, all, all things um, uh, from, from his eternal purpose. So turn with me to Isaiah 40. Um, let's look at Isaiah 40. So let's go to the prophet Isaiah. And, and we're going to look at a couple of texts. And again, I just, it, to me, it's just always helpful right? where it's like, okay, let, let's go and look at some of these texts, think on them, and then, and then, and then see what, uh, uh, what, what, what we should be taking from them. So if I can have a volunteer read uh, verses 13 and 14 of Isaiah chapter 40. All right, Des. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? All right, awesome. That's a familiar text, right? But we normally see that in what? Not in Isaiah, but normally in, right, Romans, right? Where we see, uh, you know, or what man sho- uh, shows him his counsel, right? Who, whom did he consult? Who made him understand, right? That, that, that kind of idea, right? Who, who was God's counselor? And again, what this is, what this is a, an indirect way pointing to, God didn't take any counsel from anyone else. Right? His decree is, is in himself, right? and it's a way that he's showing himself as sovereign Lord. All right, turn with me. Uh, actually, you know what? I think the rest of these, I think these I do have on, on your notes. So can I have a volunteer read Job 23, uh, verses 13 and 14? Who'd be willing to get that? All right, got here. And then you want to get us the next one, Mia? Sure. All right, uh, for Psalm 135. All right, go ahead. Yes. Right. So again, who is who who is the one who who is the cause? Who's the one who stands behind it? Right. The Lord. Right. It's his purpose. It's his plan. Uh, Psalm 135. Go ahead. For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth and the seas and all the deeps. All right. Perfect. Right. So so there we see whatever the Lord pleases. He what? He does, right? No one, no, no one, you know, pulls back God's hand, right? Actually, we're going to look at that text. So, but you, 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 you guys get that, right? I mean, there is no, uh, in, in one sense, there's no greater expression, right, of freedom than to say, I do all that I please. Anything that I please is what I do, right? As creatures, can we say that? No, there's a lot of things I would like. And they do not come to pass. And you know what? In the, in the Lord's wisdom, I'm okay with that. You know what I'm saying? Right? But there's things that I couldn't affect even if I tried. Right? And there is no such category for the Lord. And, and his decree is, 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 is that purpose which, which then puts that forth. So 
Uh, um, Proverbs 16.1. Who, we actually got, got a couple here. So Proverbs. Who, who can get me Proverbs 16.1? Des? The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All right. Yeah, excellent. We're going to see a couple of these with, within the Proverbs. Who can get Proverbs 16.4? The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Mm, yeah. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, right? Uh, Proverbs twenty twenty four. Who'd be willing to get that one for me? A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? Yeah, interesting question, right? And and you see you see this theme in Proverbs, right? Where it's like, you know what? You need to be a diligent, disciplined son, right? Be prudent, engage in wisdom. And then the other side of it, Proverbs is like, and whatever a man decides, that's what comes from the Lord, right? Um, a, a, man, a man plans his steps, but his ways are ordered by the Lord, right? Where, where, it, where it's the Lord who's really behind all of it. Even though man is planning and plotting and, uh, and, and determining and, and, and thinking and, you know, building on, 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 on some of these thoughts, right? And uh, all right, let, let's get Proverbs 21.1. I love this. Uh, who, who can get that one for me? The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he yeah, just think about that for a second, right? So here you are, you're Israel, right? And, and Moses goes and talks to Pharaoh. And then think about a text like this. You know, the most powerful man in the world at, at that time, right? Or in, you know, and, uh, and then you look at a text like this. And it's like, that heart is in God's hands. And it's like a stream and it's going to go wherever God intends it, right? You know, in, in one sense, we're, we're like, it completely dethrones Pharaoh, you know, like, oh, that's interesting, Pharaoh. Yeah, God already, you know, determined that, right? Like, just, wow. Um, so, um, so we are, we're, we're seeing this, that, that God, God is the one in his sovereignty, the one who determines all these things in his, in his eternal purpose. And, and again, when I, when I say that God is the cause, I know I tried to qualify this previously. We are going to use that cause language differently as we approach, uh, as, as we approach, like, for example, like God's permissive uh, will related to sin and the way that theologians have tried to capture this, right? So it's, it's, it, we can speak of it generally, right? And God's determining purpose, right? But then when we hit on some of these specifics, we're going to make some nuances, right? So again, when I use, you know, ultimately the cause, again, I just want to make sure we have that kind of qualification um, in, in our mind, right? But that God is the one who's determined, right? And, and governor over, over all things, directs all things according to, according to his plan, now, one of the implications for this, and this is uh, something that, we, that we're going to hit on in just a second, is that uh, when, when we think about that God is the one as the cause, right? It's his plan. It's according to his counsel. It is, it is not that God looked down the hallway of time to see, right, in his infinite knowledge of all supposed things, what would happen. Who, who would do what? And then God then responds and records that down, right? And almost we're like God's kind of like outside the picture, right? Where, 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 where man um, in his freedom really takes over. Instead, um, there, there's really nothing that happens apart from God's plan as he sees fit in his wisdom. And so look with this. I, I, I love this text in James. Uh, did I include uh, Yeah, so, all right, turn, turn to James. Uh, yeah, it was a longer one. I had to, uh, again, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to go where, where Des has trotted, so... Uh, I, had, I, I wanted to keep it to my, uh, 
<laughs> one page. Uh, that's, that's all right, Des. I, I appreciate the. Uh, I'm not. I'm. I'm not trying to rag on you. <laughs> oh man. Um. So in James, uh, James, what did I say? James four. Uh, let, let's get James four and let's get verses uh, thirteen through fifteen. All right. All right, awesome. So this is one of those like practical outworkings of God's sovereignty, right? Now, the, 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 the real issue behind this is not so much like proving God's will is sovereign, right? It, it really kind of assumes it in this. It's, it's a practical outworking. Instead, James is kind of hitting on, hey, the, the, the meekness of wisdom, right? And, 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 and really living in humble submission to God, right? And what that looks like. But, look, but I thought it was interesting how, how he brings that out here, right? Instead... We should live in light of truths we already know and confess. That God is sovereign. And it is life according to his ultimate plan. And not, 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 the, the, not the things that he wills, that he desires, right? Like we're obedient to his commandments, right? But because that's not really the context. The context here is if we're going to go to such and such a town or spend a year there or trade and make a profit, right? These, these general things. And so even, uh, even when, when, um, um, uh, when we look at a text like this and we see this, this powerful, powerful preposition, right? If, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that, right? Again, assuming it, right? We're here, here we see James is, is assuming this, this very eternal plan of God. And that's, that's really where the, the, the emphasis of Scripture lies. It's, it's not on the creatures, but on God. And when our confession says in chapter 3 of paragraph 2, um, oh no, I, okay, yeah, just you go ahead and you can see that on the previous page on your notes. And I'll just read that in paragraph 2, that short paragraph where it says, although God knows whatsoever may or can come to pass upon all supposed conditions, yet uh, he has not decreed anything because he foresaw it as future or as that which would come to pass upon such conditions, right? It, it really is upon God who determines and not upon such knowledge of contingent things and how they may work out under certain circumstances depending on uh, uh, lo looking how that would play out. Instead, it's based on, on God's wisdom as counsel. And in fact, uh, a, a little bit later, and, and, and we'll, get on to, uh, we'll, we'll get into this when we look at election in, in the next couple of weeks, uh, our, our confession says similarly in chapter 3, where it says uh, that when, when God chose, it was without any other thing in the creature as a condition or cause moving him thereunto. Right? So God's decree is based on God in himself. It's his eternal purpose. Right? So it's a lot of different ways we're kind of trying to tie back into the same way. Now, I want to... I want to hit on an implication and then ask a question. Um, and then I need to um, hit the gas. So one implication. I, I think there's apologetic value here when we think about God's decree as, as a free act. And what do I mean by apologetic value? So in, in defense of the faith. So as, as you're you know, talking to people about the Lord, about the gospel, 
One of the things that will come up in particular with Muslims that Christians have historically emphasized uh, has, has been that God has been in perfect fellowship with himself for all eternity, right? And yet with the Muslim God, who is alone and, you know, if you will, you know, Allah is one, right? Where he's, he's by himself. You, you get this question of why did he create, right? And, 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 and it, 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 it starts to push the edge of, was it really almost something necessary, right, in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a situation like that, right, where, where God has no one else, right? And, and so, and so he, he creates. So I do, I do think when we think about um, God's decree and this nuance that, that we make between God and his acts within Trinity as a necessary act, and then God and his decree as a free act. I think, I think there is some apologetic value. And lastly, what I, what I want to do is put a question out to, to you all. And that is this. And it's not rhetorical. So I'm, I'm looking for people to respond. Why do you think some people, uh, and, and, this, and this is not to, to denigrate, but to help kind of think through um, in, in a positive way. Why do you think some people will think that God's plan was based on him looking down the hallway of time to see what they will do, right? And I know for me, this was a, a, a position when I, when I became a Christian, it was something I kind of worked through, right? And just over time um, had, had slowly kind of changed. But what do you think are some of the things that people see? Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't sound fair. Yes. Standard of fairness, because we think fairness is like complete personal autonomy and you choose. Yes. And then that means by definition, God would respond to that, not the other way around. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think that's a helpful presupposition. And piggybacking on that, it, it takes away what people uh, falsely assume is their free will. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, 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 and I do think, because um, like I, I remember just diff- different people that, that, that I had read and been influenced by, they, they didn't want man to turn into robot and, and God to be like this, you know, where, 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 where it seemed like people were just puppets, right? And so trying to protect some of these things, and yet at the same time, um, and so, yeah, no, I, I think that's helpful. Yeah. I think, too, the word for new is yes. misunderstood. Yes. Because they, you could read that and be like, oh, he looked and for new, but they're reading yes. into it what's not there. Right, right, right. Yeah, this foreknowledge. That is knowing before. Yes. And even determining. Yes. Yes. So yeah. Word, no, no involvement. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think that's. I think. I think that's helpful, right? Because because they're looking at this and then and then, and then drawing conclusions from that. Yeah. No. I, I do. I think. I think that's helpful. All right. Yeah. I think it's also <laughs> us trying to impose our own understanding on God by putting terms mm-hmm. such as you know look into the future or mm. instead of relying on the fact that we have no idea how God operates. And can, who can know the mind of God? Yes. Yes. Yeah. These deep things of God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Only, only the Spirit. Yeah. Who He can reveal. It. I think. I think that's helpful. Well, I was thinking that. I know for me, um, sort of being in maybe in the past a similar place, where I thought that um, we or God foreseeing that the faith that I would have in Him, um, it allowed me to retain some sense of what I thought was sincerity. So mm. if he can see that this is happening mm. in my heart, then it, it validates the sincerity of my faith. Mm. And so just trying to, I think underneath that is 
Sure. Not necessarily intentional, yeah, but yeah, yeah, just, yep. Yeah, um, to where you, you want to retain uh, something of what happened in salvation, but the scripture just obliterates that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think for me, that's, that's, that's what was happening. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think that's really helpful, right, as we, as we kind of work through this. Well, that's good. Let, let's go to uh, point, uh, point three then. So the decree is an immutable act. <clears throat> so Renahan helpfully starts off this chapter, uh, and he says... If the decree is one simple and eternal cause, not caused by anything, right, no, 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 no external constraint, uh, but causing everything, then the decree is also immutable. The word of God instructs us that the purposes of God are invincible and will be fulfilled infallibly. Now turn with me. So I've already got you in James. Go to one book back and go to Hebrews 6. Now, I will tell you, just the, the whole book of Hebrews is meant as, a, as an exhortation and an encouragement to Christians, right? And the way that it puts forward some of these things is just very encouraging. And uh, one in particular, and I really appreciated uh, Sam Renahan taking a little bit of time on, on Hebrews 6 that he does in the book and, 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 and saying the, um, what, what, what he does. In Hebrews 6.17, it says, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose. He guaranteed it with an oath. Now here, this is, this is sweetness to us Christians, right? To brothers and sisters in Christ. This is, this is you know, as, as older theologians would say, you know, the, the marrow, right? It, but you, you're getting at the really good stuff here, right? God wanted to show us, right, his purpose of grace in Christ. Um, and, 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 and it's not as though God or his purpose change, right? And, and, that, and that's the underlying assumption here in Hebrews 6, Hebrews 6, 17. It's not as though those things change, but for our benefit, what does he do? He confirms it with the swearing of an oath by making a covenant, right? And the covenant is nothing more than to formalize what is already true and will not change, which is God and his purpose will not change. In particular, his grace for us in Christ. Right? Isn't that beautiful? It's like he was so thoughtful, he could have been like, well, like, you know, like I, I'm, I'm almost in one sense sarcastically look at myself, right? It's like, Kyle, like, you're such a dummy. What do you think faith is, right? You, you know that he's going to do you good. You think he's going to turn his back? You know, it's like it should be in the nature of faith that we just trust these things. And yet at the same time, it's like God condescends and in his kindness says, no, I, I will make it so clear to you. I will confirm it with the swearing of an oath in the making of a covenant that I will bring all these things to pass. Right now. But what does that imply? Well, it implies that the purpose never changes. Right. Because the oath is simply confirming that very reality. Right? So again, Hebrews 6.17 is just, is, is just sweetness, right? And we, um, so yeah, what, what a beautiful thing. I really appreciated how, um, how Renahan had brought that out. Let's just look at a couple other texts, right? That just kind of looks at this. Um, the, this immutability that, that God's decree, his eternal purpose won't change. Um, let, let's look at uh, Numbers 23.19. Um, uh, who, who, uh, I can't talk this morning. I just get going and get tongue-tied. Whew. All right. Uh, Numbers 23, 19. Who can read that? God is not man that he should lie, or son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? 
Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Perfect. So God does not change and God does not change his mind. Um, uh, who can get Daniel 4.35? I know, Norm, you, were, you, got, you got the key already started. And let's do it. Yep. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can say his standard, say to him, What have you done? Yeah, I love that, right? I love that last part. Because it, and again, it just, it shows his sovereignty, right? It's like, here God is, he's about to move with his right hand, and then someone grabs it and like holds it back. Right. It's, now that might happen for us, right? Where we, where we can't go and complete all that we desire, but that does not happen with God, right? And and that can be one of those reasons why our purposes change, right? And why we're not able to fulfill, right? But not so with God. What a, what a beautiful text. Uh, who can get Psalm thirty three eleven for me? The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. All right, man. Yeah, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Right. So. All right. Let, let's look at this Burkhoff quote. I know uh, I know you guys have been uh, gifted with, uh, you know, almost like one quote a week on the uh, on, on, on the notes here. Who would be willing to read this one? I just thought this. I really like how we put it together. Uh, all right. Man may and often does alter his plans for various reasons. It may be that in making his plan, he lacks seriousness of purpose, that he did not fully realize what the plan involved or that he is wanting, lacking the power to carry it out. But in God, nothing of the kind is conceivable. He is not deficient in knowledge, veracity, or power. Therefore, he need not change his decree because of a mistake of ignorance, nor because of inability to carry it out. He will not change it because he is the immutable God and because he is faithful and true. Doesn't that make you just want to worship, right? Yeah, it's like God is like us, right? In that, in that we're made in his image, right? And in, in another sense, we, we are not like him. Right, because like he is faithful and true and immutable, and that's where we can set our our perfect confidence. You know, is 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 in him. So, um, all right. Uh, so next, yeah, go for it. Yes. Yes. These are just questions that, like, I kind of know the answer, but I was wondering if that was going to be fleshed out. Um, oh, man. I did the read-ahead a couple weeks ago, or uh, like a week or two ago, and I don't, I don't remember. Um, I, I think they do, because I think, I think he talks about different causes and yeah. contingencies and things like that, and, like, um, uh, some, some of the different, uh, um, uh, oh, man, I'm losing my train of thought. The, there, there are different types of causes, instrumental, efficient, and other things. And I think he gets into it when, when he hits on that. Um, but yeah, no, because I think, so, so it just, it, we'll just backstep two more. So I don't know, maybe, maybe 10 years ago, it, it was more common where you would hear this phrase of, of open theism, right? Where God doesn't really know the future. He has a really good idea, but it is not like fully worked out, if you will, right? And, and what would happen is they would look at texts like that. Well, God changed his mind, right? He saw uh, Nineveh, right, and, and changed his mind. He changed what he said he was going to do. And so, um, yeah, I, I believe we'll, we'll hit on it when, when we get to that. But, I, yeah, I, I think that the simple short answer is God has decreed not only 
the, uh, the, the primary causes, but even secondary causes, right? All the things necessary and all the contingencies that, that would be included for it. Ah, okay. Um, so, <laughs> so um, <clears throat> lastly, what, what I want to do with, with, um, with point four here, right? And, and, and we'll just, um, and, then we'll, and then we'll just wrap up. So the decree is a universal act. And, and this is really based, you know, it, it's based on uh, multiple scriptures, but the one in particular, right? You know, it's almost like, uh, you know, all things when we talk decree, come back to Ephesians 1, right? There's just like, yeah, Ephesians 1 just becomes in the uh, uh, part of the ordinary conversation. Well, in verse 11 of Ephesians 1, in particular, that phrase that says, the purpose of him who works all things, right? And all things here in that context is all things. And so I think that, I think that in particular, that's helpful because uh, that's what it's capturing, that God's decree extends to all things. And then the way in which the Baptist Catechism, which is really just following the Westminster Catechism and, and other Reformed confessions, right, is, well, then how does God execute his decrees? And they basically categorize it in two ways, right? Creation and providence. Right? So creation, right? the beginning, and then providence, which is the governing, sustaining, directing, and bringing all things to their completion, including sin, redemptive history, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, dying, living for sinners, being raised for sinners, right? and, then, and then consummation, resurrected glory, right? eternal life for believers, and eternal, eternal torment for unbelievers. Right? That, that all, all things are moving right, in, in that way, and all that is a part of his eternal purpose. So, uh, unfortunately, um, we, we, we will not have time to go through these scriptures, but I do just want to read some of the things that I thought that were helpful that Burkhoff included under uh, what the decree includes, right? Despite by making some distinctions here. So we would say that the decree includes the good actions of men and women, right? Ephesians chapter two. It includes the wicked acts of men, Proverbs 16, 4, right? How the Lord has made all things for their purpose, even the wicked for the, 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 the day of judgment. Or Acts 2, 23, with, uh, um, uh, that, that Christ was, was foreordained according to God's purpose. Contingent events, right? So when we look at the story of Joseph, that, there, that he had to be captured, sold into slavery, right? The whole, the whole thing that went down with Potiphar's wife, like all those things... Um, the, uh, what, what was it? The, the, the baker, right? And uh, you know, you, you get all the characters and all these different things that have to happen. And eventually, he gets to that position of power. And then, what does he say? Right? It wasn't you who had you, you you intended this for evil, right? But God, for good, right? God had purposed all these things, um, uh, including. Even these contingent events, right? Where, uh, you know, who would have thought of that, right? This, this, this story with, uh, with Joseph. Um, and so it includes that. In, um, all right. And so we see also the means as well as the ends um, uh, in a helpful text there related to election. The duration of man's life, how, how God has numbered the days of our life, the place of our habitation uh, in Acts uh, 17. And then even man's circumstances, right? Uh, uh, with what season of life we're in, uh, whether, whether as, as poor or rich in, in particular. So in all these things, 
it's putting on display God's wisdom, right? His plan, and he's showing forth truly that our God is a wise God, and he is to be trusted, and as, as if you will, little children, right? As we see his wisdom on display, it should make us more willingly draw near to him and trust him, right? In especially when the things we see are not as what we believe, right? Where we must walk by faith. So let's go ahead and close for now. Um, and we'll thank the Lord for our time. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we do worship you and thank you. Uh, what, what a time to, to worship and to just rejoice. We even pray now that you would help these truths uh, settle in our heart. And if anything, just make us pour forth thanks that your plan is good, that we can trust you. How We are so delighted to know that all things are foreordained for your glory and for our good. Even bless us now as we go in to gather corporately in your name, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You guys are all dismissed.